Welcome to Just Us and the Climate, a podcast by the Climate Justice Coalition, where we bring climate change back down to earth and show how it's not only a crisis, but an opportunity to build a better, more just world. Good day, everybody. My name is Alex Lenferner. I am a campaigner with 350Africa.org, a nonprofit that does climate advocacy, and I'm also the Secretary of the Climate Justice Coalition, the coalition that hosts the Just Us and the Climate podcast that you're listening to. So the topic of the podcast today uh, that we're focusing on is speaking to women on the front lines of extractive industry and uh, the struggles that they face. And I'm really privileged to be joined today by two speakers. It's Impai Inkali, who's with Women Affected by Mining United in Action. She's based in the Free State. And Francina Nkosi with the Waterberg Women's Advocacy Organization based in Limpopo in Lepalale. Francina and Impai, thank you very much for, for joining us today. And I wanted to start the conversation off with a little bit of an icebreaker, a little bit to get to know you and your organization. So if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself, about the organization that you're with. And also, you know, the work that you do is it's a, it's a difficult struggle. So what is it that inspires you to keep up the fight for environmental and social justice? Good day, everyone. My name is Mbangali. I am an activist dedicated to serve my community for a better South Africa. I have over 10 years experience in the community upliftment and particularly in the mining affected communities. Mining has always been regarded as a field for a man only, and women are neglected. Women's potential was overlooked, and the voice of women was, was silent and deprived and employed in the mining and in mining business ventures. Our role as a woman to make sure that women are participating is recognized and that they are regarded as equal partners with the main counterparts. Women are abused from such as sexual abuse from possible employment and business opportunities. The voice of women against pollution by mining houses is critical towards the well-being of the communities. We've been working as an activist in our area um, based on free state. So I am surrounded by the mining industry. Thank you. Thank you, Mbaya. Uh, over to you, Francina. Thank you very much, Alex. My name is Francina Ngosi. I'm based in La Palale under the organization called Waterbeck Women advocacy organization. It's a women-led organization that has started because of how men got opportunities and women got less opportunity. The advocacy started because women needed to know their rights and not to use their body as a ticket for a job and also knowing that communities as women, they have a right to clean environment and the right to clean blue tick water and also the right to energy. As women are in Lepalale, the ratio is 22 is to 1. It means men are more 
and women are less. And the opportunities to men are more and then to women are less. And most of the women depend on social grants. Less women are working, more men are employed. And also patriarchy is also there. And not forgetting about women who doesn't want to see other women being empowered. They will be dragging other women down and bed shaming them and also talking lies about them. For us as women of Lepalale, we say climate justice now and gender justice. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's a pretty astounding figure, 22 to 1. I, I just wouldn't expect that sort of a gender discrepancy. So very, very interesting to hear and, and really appreciate you touching on the, the intersection there between gender justice and climate justice, because that's you know a lot of what we're, we want to get into in this conversation is thinking about what are the the links between the you know the struggle for environmental justice and what are the role that gender justice can and must play within that struggle. So I think those introductions are really useful in, in thinking about that. Now, obviously, you're impacted by you know mining companies and corporations that are coming into your communities, right? And these are pretty powerful corporations a lot of the time. So in your struggles, who are some of these corporations and sort of what is it like? living in the shadow of their pollution or their extraction. And when you're up against them, what do you want from these corporations? You know, what does victory look like for you? Uh, maybe starting off with that question, and maybe we can flip the order around, starting with Francina this time and then going over to Mpai. For us, we say just transition is the first solution. The second one is community-owned projects. If they say they are opting into renewable energy, it must be community owned, not those big companies owning the projects of renewable energy. For us as women, we feel that we need to preserve the land and the climate for the future generation. Let's stop what is there now and not add other companies and change those that are here to renewable energy. I think for us, it will be a victory. Thank you for that. And that, that role of community ownership, I think, is, is vital where we are not handing power over to big corporations, but instead empowering local communities. And this question of a just transition is one I'm going to get back to a little bit later to ask you, what does what does a just transition mean? But for now, I'll just uh, hand the question over to Mpai to see what she has to say. Alex, I will say that to live in the shadow of pollution is danger. And to live of our people, dust from mining lands, especially me, I'm living in the surrounding mines that we have in its uh, the mine has been operating in our area. It's very dangerous to us, especially we do have these mining dams. Yes, possess a serious threat to us. And the mining houses are expected to comply with the environmental law. And it is our role to ensure, as a woman, to ensure that they conduct the business without harming our environment. A victory to us is certain will be made possible by our selfness, commitment, 
united in action against inhuman mining operations until we witness the sound and safe mining operations we will not stop in our struggle for these preservations of our environment and the livelihood of our people into a safe environment. Thank you. Thank you, Mpai. I really appreciate you sharing that perspective on you know the, the very devastating realities of living with the toxic legacies that these corporations are leaving behind and how that impacts your communities. In theory, there is supposed to be social labor plans in place whereby these corporations have responsibilities to clean up their mess, to ensure that communities are invested in so that they aren't left with ghost towns when these corporations pack up after their mining. But often it seems the reality is that these corporations pack up and they leave, and they also leave behind a toxic legacy, but they don't leave behind the, the investments in the communities that they promised and it should be the role of the government to enforce these regulations, these social labor plans, and also to enforce uh, the environmental laws. But it seems often the government isn't uh, actually taking that on. So my question to you in your struggles is, what has the, the relationship to the government been like? I know that Wumua, a woman affected by Mining United in Action, has been fighting for free prior informed consent from the government so that they have stronger say. And I know that, Francina, you've also been trying to push for socially owned renewable energy and, and demanding that from the government. So maybe, Francina, you could talk about the struggles that you've been having to try push for socially owned renewable energy and what role the government's been playing there. And Empire, if you could tell us about the struggles with free prior informed consent, uh, that would be really helpful. I will start by saying the government needs to do a coalition of all the departments because when you go to water affairs they will tell you it's not our fault it's land department when you go to the land department they will tell you that no it's not our duty please go to the environment side i think all the departments can be in one place and when there is a project or whatever, then they talk to each other. Then that will be uh, simple. For now, for us at Lepalal is that we are forcing Midupi power station, the fourth biggest power station, to comply. But it's not easy because they did a visual meeting not long. And they are claiming that ESCOM is not polluting. But us as communities are polluting with the Chesanyamas. Then it means they don't want to be accountable for the damage they are doing to environment. What we are doing is that we looking at what they promised us as communities and then what they have done. Does it value what they are talking about? Then we're doing the social audit. For us, we think that if we do social audit, it's for us to hold them accountable and show them that community-owned social audit can be able to reveal all the damages that they have done to the communities because we're doing the health research 
for us to be able to confirm that since there's been air pollution, here is how communities are affected health-wise. Since there was Midupi or Matimba, community having uh, received water, what are you saying about that? For us, the government is failing us and they are shying away on saying it's the fault of the mining companies. Other mining companies or power station, they are polluting the land and they are not rehabilitating any land. That one also is a damage to the Mother Earth. Who's gonna rehabilitate and when and how? And then who's accountable? For us, we feel that government needs to look at their regulations and be accountable on them and also hold those corporates accountable for their promises to the community. The failure to do basic restoration rehabilitation is both an environmental failure, but it's also a failure for you know major job creation for communities in the region to be working in restoring the land to a point you know where they can use the land again. I know that AMCU as a uh, union has been demanding that the rehabilitation be done as part of just transition policies so that people can be working in bringing their land back to health, but none of these corporations are being held accountable. Um, Impai, can I hand over to you to, to speak to the role of government and free prior informed consent? Yes, Francine has just said a lot because even around Belcom, free state where I'm staying, in our communities now, we are having these mining dams that is the second operation that they're, they're manufacturing again this gold on the mining dams. So towards the community and not consulting the community, as we are saying that they must consult it, that we call it a free prior and from concern, which is supposed to be come to the community and consult to the communities, but the operation is beginning not consulting the communities. And it's polluting our air, and it's polluting our water, and it's polluting our soil. So we are saying that these chemicals are dangerous to us, especially when we do the uh, food security, that the community can have it after the mine is left us. So suddenly we don't have the opportunity to sue the mines because they left our community without knowing that they're going to leave our area not to tell the community. Then the community are in the danger of uh, these pollutions. So we are saying to the government, can you come to us as community and consult when the mine is left? When you can see now the mine is having only the life spent it's only the other one is started by 2018 as we check on slp they left with two years because the life spend is gonna be over by 2022 after they left our community we don't have any sources of income so we try to do this food security so that we can have second thing that community can be able to to have anything that they can put on the table. So we say to the mine, can you come to the community and consult before the mine leave 
so that we can question and the only thing that we know they can habilitate the land so that we can be able to do agricultural thing. So it's it's very unusual thing that people can left behind it not being rehabilitated the land. So it's a danger to the people. And other thing, it's when you go to the LED or the municipality and ask, why can you come to the community and consult the community? They don't even care. You know, the government people, they don't even say, whenever they in a good position, they don't care about the communities. So yesterday we had this thing of people, can you stand for yourself so that you can be able to question or to demand our thing in this community so that we can be able to have, to own our land so that we cannot question or it cannot be anything that we left behind so that we can be able to do agricultural thing on our land. So it's very hard to us as community to be on this position of being left behind. Not they don't even care about us. So we we are willing to the to the government. Can you consider as community that we are willing to have our own thing because the mind they don't care about the communities. They are here for profit. So we are tired of not being considered. We are not even in care about our our health. So we say to the mining houses and the government, can you care about the communities? Thank you, Empire. That's a, a really stark picture that you've painted there. And I think it speaks a lot to the unhealthy relationship between government and corporations that puts profits of corporations over communities and does not care for what the community says and for the health of the communities a lot of way. And I think that comes in on both ends of the mining operation, both when mining is going to be new, there is a lack of respect for free prior informed consent and communities don't get a proper say as to whether the mining will take place and under what terms. And even when those terms are agreed to, when promises are made by corporations, they break those promises and what they leave behind is a devastating legacy. I mean, the idea that you can't be sure whether you can even plant vegetables in your soil or whether you can drink the water and do that safely, whether or not that will give you cancer or what that will do, or the fact that the very air that you breathe can kill you if you're living in the shadows of that pollution. That's that's a really uh, devastating reality. And I think what we need to do is we, I mean, we obviously need to change this. The system is not sustainable, especially when we're thinking about these big polluting corporations. Not only is their pollution directly impacting communities, but then also indirectly they're contributing to climate change, which then exacerbates that water scarcity, which then exacerbates the droughts that we're facing, really just multiplies those impacts that mining infected communities are already facing. So within the, the Climate Justice Coalition, we do have this Green USCOM campaign, and there you know, we're calling for a just transition to more socially owned renewable energy with no worker and community left behind. Part of that is free power informed consent. It's also about jobs programs. But at the heart of it is ensuring that the transition is just and, and justice is is really the key there. Um, and so I thought I could ask a little bit more about, 
you know, for for you folks, I think you've touched a little bit on the elements of what that transition looks like. But what is what does the just transition mean? Because that gets bandied down around a lot in environmental discourse. And you get the likes of Gwede Mantashe, who's, uh, you know, the Minister of Minerals, Resources and Energy. He talks about a just transition. But when it comes out of his mouth, he's basically saying we need to stay on coal forever and he doesn't consult with communities and he's violating free power informed consent. So people twist the just transition to mean, you know, whatever they want it. But I think in reality, we know that justice should not be something that gets twisted like that. So for you... What does the just transition mean? So I think here we'll start with Empai and then we'll go to Francina. It says that ESCOM, a new green campaign, brings hope for the better South African. It is an initiative that involving public participation in the same and create more jobs and eliminating power generation, which is affect environment negatively. I totally support the ESCOM campaign for as long as it is not going to affect employment of our people. I'm saying that it's dirty, especially on Bumalang area, like even in Lepala, where Kronzina is located. They are having this cold power station. Already it's something that is affecting the communities big for air pollution and human rights abuses in the cold chain. If we go for the clean energy, it's going to help. And I think that speaks to an, a really important issue is about where do we locate some of the, the clean energy. And I think part of the Green US comp- campaign is recognizing that, you know, if we transition away from coal, you know, there are workers in, in Pumalanga and Limpopo who are reliant on coal power stations or coal mines for their employment. And so as we think about where do we prioritize the rollout of renewable energy, we want to be locating in places where, uh, you know, people did have previous employment, so we're not leaving them behind. That for me also speaks to part of that just transition is ensuring that, you know, we are bringing those communities into the new economy. That is why I was saying that to you and uh, Alex, and then when they talk about ESCOM new campaign, it's bringing hope for the, a better South African. But on the other hand, it is not initiative that involves public participations. It is aimed to create more jobs, eliminating a power generation which is affects environment negatively. I totally support the ESCOM campaign for uh, as long as it is not going to affect employment of our people. Yeah, indeed. And, and I think that's really, really key is ensuring that, you know, employment prospects are taken care of and uh, that the voices of the communities and of the workers are at the heart of the, the campaign. Thank you for that, Impai. And then over to you, Francina. What does a just transition mean for you? And I feel free to, you know, pick on the elements that you'd like or to draw out what you think is most important. Just transition is life beyond coal. Creating good quality jobs and identifying sustainable alternatives. For me, just transition is biodiversity. When we say community-owned project, we're talking about if it's a solar project, let it be created here and the maintenance be done by the community because 
if somebody creates a solar panel and somebody also comes into maintenance, it doesn't talk about community owned. It must be the community who are safeguarding the project. And also, just transition for me is shifting away from coal and looking at the renewable ones because if we bring more power stations and more mining, it means we are not doing just transition. Those that are here are not working. As a power station, let it be that because we have a problem of sewage blockage, let it use that sewage, it creates energy, and the community can be able to get manure from that. Then we are no more going to cry about blockage of sewage. It will be two in one, and it will be again. Yes, we have the manganese mining, where they are being in the communities and violating the community's rights. Each mine needs to empower a community. Let them state or let them do what they are talking about on the social labor plan. Let the communities be part of drafting the social labor plan so that it could be the community being part and communities knows what they want and what they need. And that way, we will be giving the community power to their own land. Communities will be able to do food sovereignty, knowing what they eat. Because nowadays we eat GMO food. We need to go back to the indigenous seeds, indigenous knowledge, and also share those seeds amongst ourselves as communities so that we can be able to help each other on the ground. And we are tired of the foods that travels more than six months to us. We want to live the way we used to before mining started. We want to own, we want to be proud about what we eat, what we have under the ground and be empowered, be skilled and move away from coal. Let's leave the coal under the ground. Let it be that we serve this mother earth for the future generation. We, we don't want to be in this climate change that we are now. We want climate justice that will be protecting our mother earth and also preserving for the future generation. I thank you. Thank you for that. I think that's a really rich vision of what a just transition looks like. And I think it's really key you know, there, there's a tendency sometimes in the environmental movement to say, if we just move to renewable energy, that's the transition, that's all we need. But it's much deeper than that. It is about community ownership. It's about food security. It's about ensuring that we're, you know, we're really investing in 
the the health and the well-being and the equity within our communities. And so I really appreciate the depth of vision that you've shared there. I think we're going to start bringing the the podcast to a close and I wanted to end by asking you, you know, what are what are ways that you wish people would either get involved or support your campaigns or what are some takeaways that you'd give? What can you uh, recommend to to listeners? Wasabek Women Advocacy Organization will be part of the global climate change pickets on the 25th. And we want everyone who's living next to the mine and a power station to be part of this because we need to raise our voices and say, no, enough is enough. We need to shift now. We need to be recognized and we need to be acknowledged that we are human beings. We need to live in a clean environment that we can be able to be proud of. We need to be in a land that is rehabilitated, that we can do agroecology on it. Let's all be part of the global campaign on the 25th of September. And also on the 26th, it's a day where we say no to anyone who wants to kill our land, who wants to kill our indigenous trees, indigenous seeds, indigenous animals, everything that is on the land. We need to preserve it because they have the right to live. They have a right to save us as human beings because each tree has a symbol of life. Let's all be part and whoever is able to be part with us, let's all be in solidarity together and save the land and the environment. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, arousing call to action. And I think that action on the September 25th is in response to the, the youth movement, Fridays for Future, where young people have been striking every Friday, or in some places every Friday from school, demanding action on climate change. And so it's really encouraging to see young people, and especially young women who've been taking the lead, leading the call for climate justice. And so it's encouraging to hear you, Francina, echoing the call for people to stand up and demand action now. So thank you for that. Impai, is there anything that you'd like to suggest for listeners to get involved with or support? We do also have social media page, which is Makwa and Wamua Facebook, Twitter. People can follow and spread the word as well as most affected leading their struggle. That all the movement, it's all about supporting affected to call for change. And we can lead the change is our solidarity. So it might be so nice, some idea people to help and donate. And other things we do have action that we did as Makwa that we have done this food parcels and we do have a, we support our communities to give back to our community to give the need of the people that they need and other things as a woman that we do support the women that it's affected, it's, especially we give them the 
dignity pack, then we we do this campaign of giving this the pads. Other people they never had a chance to use those pads, so we do have this uh, donating to the, our community. So if anyone can support our movement and and, and do the donation with our, our, they can follow us on our page. And other thing is on the 25th, as Francina said that the climate justice, we do have this campaign that we're gonna get outside the, the parliament that we say, no, we are tired of being neglected as communities. We need the justice to us. And I do thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, as somebody who does follow uh, Makua and Wamua's work on social media, but also more generally, it's it's really a incredibly valuable and important work that you're doing to stand up for communities' rights. And uh, you also share some really important analyses and voices on those pages. So I definitely encourage people to to follow the work that, that you folks are doing and to, to support it in what ways you can, because you know supporting communities on the front line is, is really at the, the center of a lot of climate justice struggles. And Solidarity is going to be one of the most important values that will bring us through to a just transition to a renewable energy future. So if you can, I encourage you to to learn more about the work of Makua and Wamua, as well as of the Waterberg Women's Advocacy Organization. And on that note, I just want to say a big thank you to both Francina and Empire for, for joining us for this conversation and for sharing really valuable perspectives on you know what it's like being on the front lines and what it's like pushing for justice in those spaces. So thank you so much, and uh, I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you all. Bye. Climate justice and gender justice now. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for listening to Just Us and the Climate, a production by the Climate Justice Coalition. To find out more about the Coalition and their work to promote climate justice, visit climatejusticecoalition.org. This podcast is made possible thanks to the financial support of the Friedrich Ebert Stiftung. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.